Whether you're working on a personal project or managing enterprise infrastructure, you deserve simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions that allow you to take your project to the next level. Simplify your cloud infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines and develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Get started on Linode today with $100 in free credit for listeners of Greater Than Code. You can find all of the details at linode.com slash greater than code. Linode has 11 global data centers and provides 24-7, 365 human support with no tiers or handoffs regardless of your plan size. In addition to shared and dedicated compute instances, you can use your $100 in credit on S3-compatible object storage, managed Kubernetes, and more. Visit linode.com slash greater than code and click on the Create Free Account button to get started. Welcome to episode 219 of Greater Than Code. I'm Jacob Stobel, and I'm here with my co-host, Rain Henrichs. Thanks, Jacob, and I'm here with my co-host, Damian Burke. Thank you very much, Rain. I'm here with our guest today, Mondo Escamilla. Mondo is a longtime friend of the podcast and a guy who's been in tech for a long time also. Yeah, so we're happy to have him on the, sh- on the show today. Thanks, Damian. I, I didn't realize that that mini bio was going to make me sound so old, but you know, truth is truth, right? What are you going to do? Thanks for having me here. I'm having a little bit of a geek out moment right now, kind of being on on this podcast that I've listened to for you know what what was it now 219 episodes. One of the things that this podcast has helped me with over the years is understanding how kind of the thoughts and the feelings and and the place in our community that I feel that I am right this podcast has talked about those kinds of those kinds of issues and and and, and thoughts and things over and over and over again uh, in a way that's helped me process those thoughts and feelings right with you know everything that's that's been going on for the last you know year year or so but but especially in the past you know, two or three weeks, right? As we're recording this now, it's January 15th of 2021. I haven't checked the news in 30 minutes, but I don't think there's been an attempted coup today. But who, who knows, right? The day is young. Yeah, it, it, there, we have, there's a lot of, lot of daylight left, I guess. It's been really hard. This past year has been really hard. And the past couple of weeks have been really hard for me. And... I think people sometimes ask this question without expecting a real, honest, true answer. But I'd like, if y'all don't mind, a really, you know, honest and true answer from y'all when I ask, like, how how are y'all doing? That is a wonderful question. This is a great place to kind of, as you mentioned, dig into how how things are affecting us because there's a lot hand wave going on, and I and I really want to dig into that. But you know this podcast. And so, you know, the first thing we need to do is ask you, what is your superpower and how did you acquire it? Man, so <laughs> I, was, I was trying to avoid having to answer that question by distracting y'all. So <laughs> I, pre- I, I appreciate you calling me out on it, man. That's, uh, <laughs> that's just solid, solid podcasting right there. My superpower, if I have one, is 
my my willingness to talk about anything personal with anyone else. <laughs> um, the, the way that I got it, I think, is probably how most people who end up in this place get it, right? You kind of end up getting forced into it by someone through some sort of uh, traumatic experience, right? And, and for me, um, it was when I was going through my divorce and I was, I was just a wreck, right? And my buddy Will took me out to dinner, right? Um, I, I think actually at the time I may have been like staying with him. I think I had moved out of the house for a little bit, right? So we went out to dinner to this place here in uh, in Austin called Kirby Lane, which is like a 24-hour diner, right? And we went there because it was like 2 in the morning, and it was the only place open that wasn't fast food, right? And so we're at this restaurant waiting to get seated, and the, the restaurant itself is like a converted old house, right? And so we're kind of like going the, going the, the front door, which was like the old front door to the house. And so you kind of stand in this like foyer sitting room kind of situation while you're uh, uh, waiting to get seated. And I was all messed up, right? And uh, my buddy Will's trying to get me to talk, right? He's like, he's, he's like trying to get just something out of me, right? And I'm just kind of being evasive and not really getting, like, not giving him what he wanted, right? Which wasn't, I mean, what he wanted was for me to talk, right? He, he, he doesn't like, he was doing it for me and I, I didn't want to, and I didn't want to. And he's pushing and he's pushing and he's been, he'd been pushing all night, but he kept going while we're sitting there, like with like, you know, I don't know, two or three other parties. There's like, like almost like 10 people like standing around us in this tiny little enclosed area. Right. And he's like, come on, man, just tell me, just talk to me. Like, what's like, what's going on? What are you feeling? What's like, I'm like, dude, like, I, you know, like not right now, especially like, I don't want to, I don't want to tell you before when it was just you and me. I don't want to tell you now. And he keeps pushing, keeps pushing. And I felt something like I, I, I actually felt like a physical, physical sensation in my head. Right. And I, I, I don't know if that's where the phrase he snapped came from, like comes from or not, but I, I felt like a, like a tick like in my head. Right. And I, lo I lost it. I, I, I just, I started just yelling at him. I'm like, you want to know how I feel? You want, and, and like in the middle of this restaurant, I'm, <laughs> I'm like yelling at him almost at the top of my lungs, right? About how my wife doesn't love me, how I'm afraid my kids are going to hate me, how I've ruined their life. I mean, I like laid it out for like five minutes, right? To my buddy's credit, he just kind of sat there. He didn't try to shush me, he didn't do nothing. He just kind of sat there, right? I was like, well, all right, well, you know, now, now we can get somewhere, right? And, and, and since then, right, I've had to relearn this lesson a little bit because since then, when people would ask me how I was doing, I tell them, <laughs> like for real. Tell them. <laughs> Turns out there aren't a lot of people who are uh, ready. Yeah, well, well, and care, right? I yeah care or are ready for a five minute listening ordeal right that they're not emotionally prepared for that uh, that amount of work that you're putting on them i've tried to back down on that a little bit but uh as y'all can see i i don't do such a good job all the time <laughs> okay so first of all remember that you asked for this 
That's right. That's right. <laughs> I I can certainly relate. I actually had this conversation just yesterday, uh, where I told I told an acquaintance of mine when people ask me I, for some reason I'm an honest person. I don't know why. I don't know what where that came from. I just I feel the need to be honest. So when the waiter comes up and asks, "How are you doing?" I stop and think. Mm-hmm. And then I tell them I'm great, which is almost always true. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm not, which makes it hard to... <laughs> it can be a little more uh, uh, emotional burden on people. So kind of going, circling back a little bit, right? Damien, did you say that, uh, that you're doing great right now? Oh, I am multitudes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I wanted to start with you, though. <laughs> with me? Oh, yeah, okay. how, how are you doing with the hand wave, with what's going on? Yeah, uh, not not great, for sure, right? You know, between the, between the pandemic and the government response and the public response and the, you know, insurrection day last week and kind of everything that's happened uh, since then... Right. My uh, personal faith in humanity, not only is, that at, is it at an all-time low, but it's lower than like I would have ever thought possible, right? Like way below the bottom of what, you know, 2019 Mondo thought we'd be at. It's tough because I've always been a pretty, pretty positive person, right? A, a pretty like assume the best intentions of people kind of person, uh, pretty trusting, kind of open and caring and loving person. And yeah, this year has, has got me shook. It's got me questioning if that's a way I can continue to live my life moving forward. Right. Uh, and I, I still don't know where, where I'm going to come out on it, to be honest. So yeah, not great. <laughs> this is how I'm doing. Yeah. Is this stuff hitting y'all the same way? Or am I uh, seeing things in a, uh, in a different way from y'all? I can definitely share the, the being shook, uh, the needing to reexamine the foundations of, <laughs> and I feel like I'm stating it in a, in a, in a broader and scarier sense, but being to reexamine the foundations of humanity, the nature of people, the nature of societies. And this is honestly something that's been happening for me for a very long time. I was trained as a hypnotist in 2015. And the thing you learn as a hypnotist is that people are not rational and logical. They don't do things because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is something I knew already because before I was a hypnotist, I was a professional gambler. And that led me to a lot of study <laughs> of psychology. And you read up about about why people make decisions they make and how they make the decisions they make. It's not what I was taught growing up. It's not like this happened, so somebody did this. Uh, it's not like, oh, they thought this, so they, they did that. It's really mostly the opposite. They did that, and they thought how, how to do it otherwise. But the really trippy part is, and this is a journey that I've been on for since at least 2008, the really trippy part is that I learned all this and I learned it from, from scientific standpoints and logical standpoints and reasonable standpoints in several different directions. And it never actually impacted how I view the world and how I behaved on it. Because like I said, reason and logic 
does not change action and behavior. So even right. having that using reason and logic, it didn't impact me. And so this year has been very different as in like I've, I'm much more appreciative of my own need for to change my, how, how I can change how I am and my behavior and how other people's behavior is influenced and created. And the hand wave stuff that's going on has been a big part of that. Interesting. <clears throat> that, that's, that's a, a really, uh, it's a really interesting perspective because it, it, I, I hadn't, I had not thought of it in, in those terms, right? When, when you're talking about the, uh, like rationality versus non-rationality of, you know, uh, like decision making, right? Or behaviors. My initial knee jerk kind of reaction to that was like, if we're not rational actors, right? Which, which we aren't, then the actions that we take and the things that we do, right? Must reflect who we are on the inside, right? Like the, 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 the uh, the basest, or not basest isn't the right word, right? But like the, the core, right? Of our, of our, of our beliefs and our feelings, right? I think about the, the idea of like wearing, like wearing a mask right now, right? In the pandemic, there, there are, you know, studies that show that wearing a mask help, right? There are older, smaller studies that show that wearing a mask might not be as effective as, as they say, right? But ultimately, in, in, in most places, you have a choice, right? There's an actual actual decision that needs to be made. Am I going to wear a mask or am I not going to wear a mask, right? And you see individuals, right, who are, you know, yelling at, at the, uh, the checkout lady at Walgreens because they don't want to wear a mask, right? And, and trying to make this, this, like, big federal case about how their freedoms are being infringed on or whatever right it's, it's like well like you could just right you could just wear it even even if you don't believe it's doing any good right even if you don't agree if you if you know you you feel like you've you know quotey fingers done 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 your research right <laughs> and and you know you, you saw a couple of alex jones you know podcasts or whatever and it's like no, like the the the, ma- the masks are going to give you frog cancer or whatever. You know, you could you could just wear it, right? On the off chance that maybe it's going to do some good, right? Or at least it's not going to hurt, you know. But it 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 just seems like that, and that's what I mean by like the the rational versus the non rational, right? You 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 could think through, like you could actually have this thought process that you go through. And then decide whether or not you do it or not, right? But it seems as though so many people they're they're not following that rational process, right? And the actions that they're taking, right, are so uh, have such a negative impact on society at large, right? Uh, and like, and that's the thing that I don't know how to grapple with and how to deal. Yeah, with. rationality does not rule the universe. Rationality does not rule humans. It's not how humans act. And realizing that, and like, like literally, I learned this scientifically, and I spent five years on the internet trying to explain it to people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work. No. So why am I doing it? Right. Why right. 
it, it's really having having the rug, the ground fall out from underneath me and go, okay, I need to move about the world in a different way, see the world in a different way if I'm to be effective and happy. And, you know, I, I wake up, I feel lost a lot. <laughs> like, sometimes yeah. I just wander the streets and go, what the hell? That might be the best way to describe how how I've been feeling. Like, I don't know, since April, <laughs> May, right? Like, it, it's been hard to put a finger on it, right? Because it's not, it's, it's not, it's not just sad. Right. There is part of me that's sad. Right. And, and I've gone through it all. Right. Like, you know, I've, I've been super in touch with my anger. I've been sad. I've been depressed. You know, I've been hungry. I put on <laughs> like 20 pounds since all this has started. Right. But lost is really, I, I thank you, man. Like I had not, I hadn't been able to wrap my head around it in that way. But yeah, that's, yeah, lost and like unmoored, right? Like the things that I thought I knew, I don't know, and like the 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 like assumptions and thoughts and feelings that I had about people in my life and people in my spheres, right? It's like, oh, I didn't know that you were the kind of person who would yell at the lady in Target because you didn't want to wear a mask. It's like, wow, that's really sad, and <laughs> yeah, lost. Yeah. So I'll share with you um, what I'm doing to be less lost. <laughs> um, is yeah. there a word for that? Is there unlost to find to find myself? I don't. That's a silly expression. Anyway, to sort of to sort of get some mooring and some connection to like to like how I can interact with reality now, knowing that reality is not what I thought it was, not what yeah. I learned in school with what came from Plato and Copernicus and, and Descartes, good Lord Descartes. Um, so here, here, are, here are some of my new anchors. And these come from, these come from the things you were talking about, from emotion, from the core. I don't like to say base because, because there's a lot of, in this culture, there, there's a hierarchy of what's valuable and important. Uh, and, right. and intellectuality yeah. and rationality is on top of that, on top of that hierarchy. So base kind of reinforces that, that sort of thing. But, but this is, this is core. This is, this goes to much more of what we are as human. And the biggest thing for me is narrative, narrative and story. And then along with those emotion, song, rhyme, repetition and affiliation. These are the things that that drive humans and humanity. And so these are the things you have to base you have to start with if you're going to understand hand wave what's going on. Is this where we start talking about Ted Lasso? If we're talking about talking about the uh, narrative cuz man, that that show has helped me quite a bit. I have not started that series though. I'm interested, but do you want to fill in for people who who aren't familiar with that show is all on top? Yeah, uh, sure. So the, the titular character, right, Ted Lasso, he, he's, he is uh, an American college football coach who has gotten some success coaching like a kind of a, a no name second tier. You know, looks like, lo- looks like a, you know, a division three kind of football team, right? Uh, and they, they go from winning nothing to winning the championship in one year, all because of the, this coach, Ted Lasso. And so he gets picked up and hired by this English Premier League soccer team to come over there and coach 
the, Premier uh, League being the top league and the top sport in, mm-hmm. in England. In England, right, right. Which I didn't know until I watched the show. I, I, I don't, I, like, I, like I, I don't keep track of, of football, right? And so, like, I, did, I, I didn't know what Premier League or Championship League or any of that stuff was, right? So, for those who might be looking to watch this show, right, like, don't feel like you have to know soccer to, to enjoy it, right? Because I didn't, and, and I super did, right? But so he goes over there, right? And he, he, he goes, he, know, he knows nothing about soccer, right? Like, he goes with his assistant coach. His assistant coach is reading whatever the equivalent of, like, Soccer for Dummies is, like, on the on the plane as they're flying over to England, right? But the thing about the show that has this really kind of, I don't know, carried me through some stuff, right, is on, on the first pass, right, the, the, the main character, Ted Lasso, the coach, uh, he is, I don't know, Rain, unyieldingly optimistic, is that a right, is that a good way to uh, describe how he is? Yeah. No matter what, right? No matter what, uh, what situation, he remains not only optimistic, right, but like upbeat and 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 positive. And so, like the first time I watched the series, right, like that was the thing, right? You watch the series, and afterwards, you're like, man, all right, I'm gonna be like this guy. This is how I want to model my life, right? Like I'm tired. I'm tired of being the way that I am. Right? If he can do it, I can do it. Like all all of that stuff. Right? And you know that lasts for about thirty minutes. Uh, and then <laughs> and then you hit up Twitter or something. And you're like, oh, nope, never mind. This is impossible. And so I watched it again. Right? What? Like like starts like just started the series over again. Like uh, like just to get another hit. Right? Like okay, if I watch it again, maybe I'll get back to that same spot. And then you start seeing more. Of the character, right? And you start seeing how he plays with 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 the other the other characters, right? And you you start to pick up on little things that you didn't pick up the first time through. There's little clues that they leave, and Jake, if you're gonna watch it, I don't want to spoil it for you, buddy. But like, there's little clues that they leave kind of along some of the episodes, right? That show you that he's not doing okay. He's trying his best to be okay, right? But uh, it's not. Uh, it's not always like that, right? And so you start, start to peel away more and more, and more from the show. And I, I don't know, man. It's 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 really really well done TV, right? Which in and of itself is just kind of a pleasure to watch, right? Like it's always good to just see like high quality stuff, right? But then to have it be uh, not wholesome—that's not the right word. Delightful, maybe, right? Like. I don't know. It like makes you feel good when you're watching it, uplifting in a in a weird way. I definitely resonate with that. Something that I had realized even back when this started last spring was I had like suddenly like a really high desire to sort of find stories, whether that's like in TV or books or video games, like stories that were just like incredibly engrossing and just sort of like being able to get lost in a world for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then something I've also been thinking about is like, there's so much going on, waving my hands, of course, right? I find myself feeling guilty for wanting to sort of like step out of this world as much as possible. And on one hand, there's merit to like being like, hey, you ha- we actually have to like 
pay attention and <laughs> use what, yeah. what agency I have, you know? On the other hand, I'm sort of wondering, like, are we all kind of being a little too hard on ourselves? Um, and like, and, and if so, why? Yeah, I, I think about that quite a bit as well, right? And for me, I know that as I've sat with that for a while, the, the place that I've gotten, right, is that I oftentimes feel like there isn't much that I can do to affect change in the larger scheme of things, right? And the, thing, the things that I can do that I know of, I'm doing already, right? And so I feel as though like that's not enough, right? And the least I can do is stay abreast of what's happening, right? Even though all it does is make me feel bad, right? <laughs> like, and, and, and I don't know. I don't know if it's like a self-destructive kind of thing, right? Where like, like you're saying, like you feel guilty for, for, for stepping out of it, right? I don't know if it's because I feel guilty that, that I'm not doing more, right? And so I want to like keep punching myself down a little bit by constantly scrolling through Twitter or, you know, not blocking or muting the, uh, the MAGA people on my Facebook feed. And so like every morning uh, <laughs> I'll open it up and look at it and be like, Ugh. I could just not, right. I could just not open it. Right. Or I could just block them or I could just unfriend them or I could mute them. Like there's, I have so many options. Right. But it's almost as, as though like I need to keep getting enraged by it even though I don't do anything about it. I need to stay in touch with those feelings because I'm afraid that if I don't, it's like admitting that it's okay, and it's not. The thing I, I really like about Ted Lasso is that it would have been really easy to write that character in a very lazy way, where Ted Lasso is a superhero and optimism is a superpower and nothing bad happens to him. And in the first episode or two, they set up that expectation uh, that that's how the show is going to be. But like Mondo is talking about, they subvert it. And it turns out that he's a deeply flawed human being and damaged and that optimism is his coping mechanism. Yeah, it's amazing to see, right? It took me a couple of times watching it through to see the impact that that has on the other characters, right? And how, you know, Damien, kind of how you were saying before, right? Like you have, you have this rational view or this, this idea, right, that the world should be this rational way and people should be these rational actors within it, right? Then you see this guy who no matter what you do to him, right, stay, stays painfully optimistic, right? And yeah, and it takes a while. Right for these characters to realize, right, like you're saying, that he he is in fact really messed up in certain areas, and he gets affected deeply by things, right? And this is just how he tries to tries to cope with it. He's he's irrational in a different way than you <laughs> than you initially think, right? Jacob, you said that you were you had found yourself looking for you know other narratives to kind of get get lost in. Ted Lasso was mine for a while. Do you have any? Others that uh, folks that are listening that, you know, if they're looking for something to uh, to kind of distract themselves from for a while. <laughs> I can't necessarily say that I have anything that you likely haven't heard of. I started the Mar the Marvel Cinematic Universe finally 
uh, that was something that I had like missed and then sort of just decided like, well, I missed it. So no point in catching up. But then we got a Disney Plus subscription and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I get on our exercise bike. I use MCU as sort of a sort of like an incentive to like, you know, pair with doing something that's good for my body. Uh, yeah. And that's what I've been doing the last several weeks. Mandalorian I've watched both seasons. I don't know that I can necessarily uh, name anything like incredibly profound, but it's almost like it doesn't matter. It's like it doesn't anything it that's like written halfway good and is sort of just about like world building and sort of like, you know, you can sort of imagine like the world that you're you've been dropped into can just like expand infinitely. Oh, there's a book. Uh, the 10,000 Doors of January by Alex Haro. Just terrific book. I don't even know how to describe what it's about, but it's basically like, what if like 10,000 books all like smushed together into, and they were all sort of within the same universe? I guess maybe a broader question, right, is this is kind of going back to what, what Damien was, uh, was trying to get at earlier before I, I, hijack the conversation about Ted Lasso, right? Like what, what other things have y'all been doing to either try to get unlost or to distract yourself from what's going on or to act as some like, you know, self care, some, you know, self soothing, whatever it is, however you've been kind of managing your way through the past, you know, almost year now. I wasn't going to admit it. Uh, but I am watching. I am watching the entirety of the MCU. I, I made the mistake of including the TV shows, oh uh, the ones I can, the ones I can get a hand up, hold up. Uh, that is a lot of video entertainment. <laughs> but it, most of it's really good, and it's and it's a great it's a great distraction. You know, just listening to you today, Mondo, I've become uh, more aware of how much I've been feeling. You know, uh, last night alone, I, I spent a good chunk of yesterday evening on the couch, vegging out, not even watching TV. I think I had I had some TV show. I had some reality TV on because on, I don't right. know. But like, but like, you know, I'm like, I'm done with the day. I'm not doing anything. I'm just I'm just not doing things and realizing that that's a result of things I'm feeling uh, because, you know, I'm not normally uh, able to pinpoints or, or recognize my feelings but yeah so so one of the things so like narratives are great both as a coping mechanism as a distraction uh, but they're also super valuable as a agent of understanding and change yeah uh yeah, yeah. if you want to understand the actions people take understand the narratives that they believe in the narratives that they that they see and if you want to change how you react to things, change your narrative. I'm, I'm a huge fan of meta narratives. I'm super excited about WandaVision. Um, although now it's going to take me a while to get to it. Um, because understanding narrative, though, is so important to me. And knowing that uh, I can understand people and what they're going to do by understanding their narrative. And I can change what people are going to do by changing their narrative. Uh, and that includes myself, and it really should start with myself. Yeah, I I want to go back to something that you that you you know said just a little just a little bit earlier, right? Uh, and if you you know you kind of kind of mentioned and, and offhandedly, right, that you oftentimes 
have a hard time connecting with your emotions, right? What does that feel like to you? Is it just like a like a a, a numbness, or what? Like what is as as so, someone who is very connected to their emotions, I'm I'm, I'm super <laughs> curious what this is like. It's a lack of awareness, right? It's, it's like asking mm. someone who's colorblind what what does red look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, gotcha. um, I don't, maybe that's not how colorblindness works. I don't know, uh, but like wh- wh- where I see it is when I look back and go, "Huh, that wasn't a nice thing to say. Why did I say that?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. "Huh, why was I vegged out on the couch, not doing anything fun or productive or useful for four hours?" Oh, I was feeling something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get you. I get you. It's been very difficult for me because one of the ways, if y'all can't tell yet, one of the ways that I process and deal with my emotions is by talking with other people about it, right? And so my close friends know in a, you know, pre-COVID world when they'd get the, get a text message at, you know, 4.45 in the afternoon on like a Tuesday saying, hey, want to go get a happy hour, grab a beer, right? It's like, oh, Mono needs to talk about something, right? <laughs> and so being in a world where like the only people I have to really engage with and talk through stuff with are like the two dogs that I've got, you know, it's been it's been tough, right? And it's hard for me you don't have whatever that outlet is, that whatever that that connection is to help you to identify these things and work through them, right? Because then yeah, otherwise you end up realizing that it's 1130 at night and there's, you know, half a gallon of ice cream that's empty. And, uh, n- you know, Netflix is asking if you want to watch a, a, another episode of my 600 pound life, right. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, Oh man, I had really had to get some stuff done tonight, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and yet here I am. But Jacob, kind of like you were saying earlier, right? Like that's okay. Like if that's all you can do, Right. I don't know. There's a whole other segment of stuff that we could talk about, right? With like the Silicon Valley hustle mentality and you always got to be grinding and you always got to be killing it, right? And you've always got to be like productive and active and getting stuff done, right? And then feeling kind of shame and remorse if you're not doing that, right? And I know I'm something that I've been dealing with recently is being okay with not being as productive as I used to be, right? As, as, so, as someone who leads, uh, well, a very small team now, but a slightly, slightly larger team not too long ago, right? Like being okay with your team not being as productive as they have been, right? And being willing to have the conversations with your folks when they snap at you in Slack or on a Zoom call, right? Or they miss stand up, right? Or, or whatever. Yeah, obviously the communication is required and it's important and needs to happen, right? But it's been hard for me to intern, like, make that internal shift in my expectations, uh, both in myself and kind of people in all of my different spheres, you know, friends that I had that, uh, text back and forth all day, right? Sometimes they drop off for a couple of days. You don't hear back from them, right? And some days you just can't, right? Like some, like, like some days you literally can't. You don't have it in you to, to reply to a text message, right? That's okay. There's something that you are getting done, that, and a lot. I wish more of us were getting it done, but hopefully many of us are doing this, and we're not acknowledging it. We're not leaving our house. 
And like that's an active thing we are doing and it is contributing to our community. And as a person who is married to an asthmatic, uh, who has asthma, I am incredibly like, I want to acknowledge like the, that that is a sacrifice for a lot of people, especially like extroverted people. And yeah, that is like a very tangible contribution. So I feel like when any of us are feeling like, wow, I'm not getting anything done. Wow. I'm like wasting my time. Like you're doing whatever it takes. You're doing, you know, you're doing what you need to do to not do this other thing, which is like yeah. talking yourself into leaving the house and, you know, talking yourself into sort of magical thinking about like, yeah, this will be fine and go and do something reckless uh, that contributes to spreading the virus. That's real stuff. And I think we don't acknowledge that, that like that doesn't come without cost. Yeah, that's a good point, man. It's a really good point. I was driving home yesterday from uh, my friend's house. We, we kind of like, we, we, we have potted up, right? So the only places that we go really are to each other's houses. And that's where we, we work together at the same company, right? And so it's, a, it's almost like a, a co-working kind of environment. And took the exit off the freeway to come to the house, drove by the local bar that I would have normally stopped and had a drink on my way home and talked to my, my bar friends, right? And caught up and done, done that before I came home to, to finish my day. And as I drove by, the parking lot was packed. And I was so angry. I'm still, I'm still angry. Cause man, there, I mean, like, there was nothing more than I wanted to do than to pull over and, uh, uh, and stop and have a beer and catch up. And, you know what I mean? But, but you can't, right? You, you can't. And yeah, you're right. I know me personally. I don't, I don't give myself enough credit for not, not doing that. But man, cause, cause yeah, it is hard. When I got home, I was like, you know, it, it was harder than the last time that I saw, <laughs> I drove past and saw it full like that. You know what I mean? I can feel that, that rationality, right? Like you slowly eroding like day by day, right? It is tough. I'll tell you a story. And it's a story I just made up. <laughs> Even better. Uh, and it's a story about a widget factory. They made the best widgets in the world. They're very proud of what they did as a team. And they, they were in a small town in a small country that was world famous for the widgets. All around the world, their widgets were known and, and, and highly regarded. And their product and the, the whole, it was a whole company town. Everybody knew each other. Uh, and they've, they built these amazing, amazing widgets. And then one day there was a lightning storm and lightning struck a tree outside of town and set it on fire, which set the rest of the forest on fire, which set the widget factory on fire which set the village on fire and the whole widget factory and the town and they all burn to rubble and many people died. And in the weeks that followed and in the months that followed the people who had been building widgets for years, for decades, for generations, building the world's greatest widgets, what they did instead of building widgets. Now they dug out the rubble. They cared for the dead. They cared for the injured. They recovered what they could from their homes and their workplaces and they rebuilt their homes and their workplaces and they rebuilt their communities and they rebuilt everything that they had lost in this fire. And they didn't make any widgets for weeks, for months. And nobody said, you need to make more widgets. Nobody said, 
you've lost your role as the grand widget makers in the world because you're not making widgets. And nobody said like, you know, you need to do better because you're supposed to be making widgets. You're not making widgets. I think that's where we are now. There's a fire raging. Who am I to be upset because I'm not writing my poem, making my widget in the fire? My God, I got to grab a hose and a bucket. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Shut up and grab a bucket or, you know, at least get out of the building of straw. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's like what Jake was saying earlier, right? Like sitting at home, sitting at home and watching Ted Lasso and, uh, you know, not going, not going out to the bar and not going out to, to dinner, right? Like that's, it feels like you're just sitting there watching TV, right? But you are actually grabbing a hose and a bucket. That's good, man. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Works so much better than like the rational re- reason explanation of how to do it and why, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I guess the difficulty lies in living in a world where not everyone agrees that there's a fire raging. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got a very different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes it tough. The, the other thing that's been helping me this week especially is uh, the Sea uh, Shanty TikTok, um, <laughs> which I'm, I, you know, I, I'm sure has, has pervaded uh, or seeped in to, to everyone here, but uh, I, I don't know what it is about it. It's not just that it's catchy, right? There's something I don't know if it's like the video along with it and seeing the people with like the smiles on their faces, really getting into it and doing their thing. But oh man, huh, that is I say this word too much, but it is delightful. It's really it's been really nice. Yeah, it's kind of it throws me how I will listen to a forty-five second clip over and over and over. Dude, yes, yes. And, and I'm I'm kind of glad that they don't have like individual counters, right? It's like three million views, two hundred and forty views of yours, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> man, yeah, I'll sit there and watch it like four times in a row, and then do something do something else. And then see it come up on like a tweet, like five minutes later, and be like, "Ooh, I gotta watch it again!" Like I can't right? just scroll past it. You gotta. It's like you gotta get that Wellerman fix again. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Uh, I'm gonna try and guess because I, I I made a I made a list. Remember I said earlier uh, talking about remooring ourselves in this world <laughs> that isn't Cartesian and Platonic, and I, I I wrote I wrote this down because this is gonna be an important part of of my view of the universe now i wrote down i tried to put it in order too narrative affiliation rhyme rhythm song these are the things that that drive humans and drive humanity one more time it was it was narrative, narrative affiliation a- affiliation rhyme rhythm and song and i'm still working on these categories fair, fair. Uh, yeah. you know, so you're seeing a work in progress here that sea shanty the wellman song yeah has a narrative yeah although it was tough i had to do a lot of reading <laughs> <laughs> to get the narrative out. <laughs> um, and, so, and, and some research, man. Like, yeah. like, easy, easy. This is a family podcast, man. I don't know. There, there's a sense of affiliation, not not just among the people performing it together, but among all of us. Like, you brought it up. I knew exactly what you were talking about. So yeah. Like, there's, there's a worldwide affiliation uh, that mm-hmm. that's happening there. Obviously, there's rhyme. There's an amazing rhythm. 
it is a song. Maybe those are the same category. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, there might be just like different facets, right? The same thing. But and I I don't know if if this is part of like the story that I that I project on it, right? But like like I hear one of these like sea shanties, right? My brain immediately goes to two places, right? It goes to a place where there's twenty dudes on a boat at oars rowing, right? And and like singing the song to keep keep him paid. Right. And then it also goes to like an old timey pub where a bunch of like Ren Fair cats are sitting there, you know, like drinking with their with their giant, you know, flagons or whatever, right? And and singing these songs like as they as they like come into shore. Right. One of those I don't want to be involved in at all, but another another one of those scenes, like a really, really, really I want to be at a bar singing songs with uh, with my friends while drinking a beer, you know? I mean, I don't think that those worlds are too far apart. Yeah. I don't think the experience of whatever it is that, that um, whalers do. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, obviously, it's very different. It's very hard work being a sailor and a whaler. But the experience in the moments when everything's humming along and you're all singing together, mm-hmm. I, I think they're st- astonishingly similar. Yeah, there's a you say what you will, right? But like, I miss. We, we, I, I was sitting with some friends in, in Slack yesterday, and I don't know, I don't know what it was, but we all started just like listing out all the things that we miss, right? And like, you know, I would not have thought that going into the office and <laughs> and and like sitting in a meeting in a conference room with like 20 people, like I would say that I missed that, but I kind of miss it sometimes. I think it's just it's the like you know, different kind of like views or projections into communities that you have that I don't have anymore. I miss tech meetups, right? I thought I was done <laughs> with like the tech meetup world, right? It's like, ah, I've, I've eaten my fair share of free pizza on like a Tuesday and a Tuesday night, right? Like I'm good. But man, like I, I'm, I miss sitting in a room with a bunch of nerds talking about rails or java or kafka or whatever right and yeah like I mean, we never sang a sea shanty while we were doing that stuff but like <laughs> i guess Next we worked time. right we had, we had a shared narrative we, we we had a shared narrative not not so much uh rhythm or rhyme or song but there you know there, there, there are pieces there but yeah i i get uh sea shanties pick me up for <laughs> For all those reasons, I guess. They are a very advanced technology for human (laughs) pick-me-ups. For sure. For sure. I mean, I guess the, the other thing that when I, when I remember to do it, right, it really helps, but I don't remember it super often. I wish I could is, you know, a practice of gratitude for the kind of communities that I do have, right? Like, I'm super grateful to be here talking to y'all about this stuff and, and and working through it with y'all. Super grateful for having, you know, one, for having a job and, and, and two, for, for like being able to work. Like, like I, I work with like my best friends. There, there's some interesting stresses that, that, that come from that, right? Mostly around the idea that, you know, these are people that I love and I don't want to let them down, you know? And like, if I don't if I don't hit my own internal goals or targets or you know get us to where I think we should be by certain days or whatever, right? Like 
there's an extra personal investment in it, right? That, you know, kind of keeps you up at night sometimes. But the other side of that coin, right, is that when you do hit them and we are successful, right, like these are your family that's, that is able to reap the benefits of it, right? Like that's pretty amazing. Like, I'm grateful for the, the friends that I have that we keep in touch with on a daily basis and, you know, Slack or messages or discord or whatever right like it's definitely not the same as being able to go to their house and give them a hug you know but another thing from from ted lasso right there was a a quote where you know they they just lost this game and the coach is like he says some of the effect of it's hard it's hard and it hurts but there's a there's something that's worse in this world than being sad and it's being sad and being alone and he's like y'all aren't alone You've got the whole locker room, right? No, that was his point. There are a lot of people who are alone, and at times when I personally feel alone, right, like I, I try and remember that even though I can't wrap my arms around them, right, I, I still have people, right? And that, that makes me feel better, right? And the, uh, <laughs> any listeners that we have that you, you find yourself like feeling alone, right? Like, Go to the website, you know, go to com. Like everyone there is, has like, you know, Facebook, Twitter, emails, right? Like you're feeling alone, you're not, right? Like you've got a bunch of people here or at least one. And I'll, I'll, I'll speak for, <laughs> I'll speak for everyone else on this episode. So <laughs> sorry, y'all. Yeah. Do something. Send us an email, like, you know, DM, add on Twitter, whatever. You got people. That's my, that's my Mr. Rogers moment, I guess. <laughs> Which was another thing. Mr. Rogers' wife like passed, passed away yesterday. That had me shook. I was like, it, mu- it must just be like the rawness of everything that's going on, right? Just got me like emotionally super raw. But like any, anything like that, whereas, you know, I feel like if two years ago, if Fred Rogers' wife had passed away, I would have been like, oh man, that's a shame. But yes, yes, yesterday I was like, I need a minute. Like I can't, <laughs> like nobody talks. I, I can't do. I can't deal with it right now. She's gone. I don't even know her first name. But it, it just, it just like hit so hard. Anyone else magnified like that, or is it just me? You can say it's just me. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, as a parent, uh, I, I feel that. I, I don't know. Folks who don't have kids have a good reason to know this, but like there's a basically an animated spinoff of, of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's called Daniel Tiger. And yeah, just sort of like listening on like what my three year old's watching in the other room while I'm trying to work. And yeah, they, they normalize all kinds of things like death, like, mm-hmm. you know, explaining what death, like it, it sort of just occurred to me, like it would be just awful if my son lost somebody he, he loved to this virus but if he lost someone he loved and he didn't even conceptually understand what death was that would just be how do you how do you do yeah you know right exactly right so it's like i am just like so so glad just sort of like teaching uh teaching my son about some really heavy topics about what life is about and frankly like teaching me about like how to talk to him about them I have so much, so much love for Fred Rogers. Yeah. More than I realized as a kid. <laughs> yeah, same. 
it wasn't until I was a grown up that like, you know, you go back and, you know, whatever, watch a clip of uh, Mr. Rogers neighborhood or whatever. And him staring at the camera and saying you're special just the way you are, right? It, it hits different when you're 35 <laughs> than it did when you were five, you know? It's like, oh, shit, I am. I am special just the way I am. I guess we knew it when we were five, and then we forgot it over the next 30 years. I don't know. It hit different. So you know the Mr. Rogers song, uh, What Do You Do With The Mad That You Feel? Mm-hmm. I think about that song a lot. Yes. There's a little bit of a modernized version of that that I saw come by a week or two ago with, uh, <laughs> of all people, Elmo and Dave Matthews. Like there was, <laughs> there was a song that Dave Matthews sang like with Elmo on Sesame Street. I saw a clip not too long ago where, yeah, they, they talk about feeling mad and not liking it and then digging into it and seeing what the real emotions underneath that mad were and how to deal with it. And I don't know, a 60 second song or whatever. Right. And, and then at the, at the end, I'm like, all right, rewind, like take some notes. Like this is, like this is, this is good. Like I need to bring this up with my therapist next week. Like this is, this is good stuff right here. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of those Fred Rogers songs, man, like, I didn't realize at the time how truthful and useful they were. He was, he was tapped into something for sure. The thing that's so impressive to me, kind of like what you were saying, Jacob, right? Was that like, how they talk about these heavy things, right? In a way that like makes sense to a kid or is at least approachable. Cause these are like super abstract or can be like abstract concepts and feelings and, and, and things, right? And to talk about them in a way that kids can kind of wrap their heads around and uh and also feel like included you know not not pushed away right like you know it's universal enough that every kid can be like oh yeah i you know i know what it feels like to be mad and i know what it feels like to not know what to do with that right yeah i mean my son he has questions like i feel like this question uh, this question comes up once a week or something he'll be like why doesn't everything last forever or yesterday was this was a one was he said, what's suffering or, you know, like var- variations on that. And I think like the message from Fred Rogers that I've always taken away is like normalize and encourage the asking of questions because he doesn't know not to ask or he doesn't know what's not OK to ask about or what he ought to know and shouldn't ask. And I just feel like. That is like something I, we, we as adults have like unlearned is, or learned that we shouldn't do is like, there are just so many things we're not supposed to ask about or inquire about, you know, interrogate. And what it's taught me is like, what can I do at work or, you know, in other spheres to sort of like normalize just like the asking, like just the asking questions and the interrogating of, really anything that you happen to be thinking about and just sort of how that drives, how that can drive narrative and community and sort of just people voicing like, this is what I don't know. And I want to know about it. There's another thing that Mr. Rogers said that I also think about a lot, which is if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, I need to kind of think on that a little bit. 
because there's a lot there, right? Also, it gives you a way to get at managing things that are hard to manage by working backwards. Okay, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. How do I make it mentionable? Is that easier? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The best places that I've worked at, right, have been in places or teams where universally it was understood that it was okay to ask questions and you weren't going to get a like RTFM or oh i can't believe you don't know that or any of any of those kind of responses it made for environments where like if people accidentally did something you know that was pretty terrible right made some sort of mistake or drop you know drop the production database whatever right like had caused some sort of production outage right rather than trying to cover it up or make things worse, right? As soon as it happened, you'd get the at here in Slack, like, "Uh uh-oh, I did something, I need help, right? And so, yeah, like, things became manageable because they were mentionable, right? In an environment where everything isn't mentionable, you end up with these edges and places where there are things that can't be managed, I guess. Another thing I think about a lot, and this gets back to some of the the behaviors we're seeing that are so hard to understand is that no one does the wrong thing on purpose. And so if you see someone who's doing the wrong thing and the question you ask is, why did you do the wrong thing? You won't get an answer because it's nonsense. It's a nonsense question. The question to ask is why did you think this was the right thing? And so the question to ask about, for example, the people who stormed the Capitol was what was their worldview, their narrative, their moral structure like such that they thought doing that was right? That was so good. I feel the need to repeat it. <laughs> no one does the wrong thing on purpose. Asking somebody, why did you do the wrong thing is never going to get you an answer. It's a nonsense question. Yeah. Everybody's doing the right thing. Everybody's doing the best they can and what they think is right at the, at the right time. So if you see somebody doing something that doesn't seem right to you, the question is, why did you think that was the right thing to do? And you might think, well, what about compulsive behavior? But what compulsive behavior demonstrates is that our rational mind's ability to decide what is right is very limited compared to if you consider the mind as a whole. Your mind as a whole is doing the thing it wants to do. Even if at some level your rational mind knows it's a bad idea, you're still doing it because you as a whole think it's the right thing to do and your rational thought has relatively little say in, in, in some circumstances. Uh, now, you're, now you're talking about the, uh, the half gallon of ice cream. Uh, <laughs> even though I know, even though I know I shouldn't eat the whole pint of ice cream in one sitting, right? Even though I know that it's not healthy for me. I know that I should be you know, making better food choices or whatever. Right. Still do yeah. it. And so if I say, well, you did that because you wanted to, and you say, well, no, I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. My response is we're using the word you in two different ways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. There was definitely a you that really wanted to do that, right? We tend to think that our, our conscious thought is the totality of our identity, right? But it's actually a very small part. At a big part, and this is something I learned a long, long time ago, again, it was studying as a hypnotist, uh, and it didn't affect how I did anything at all because, of course, I learned it rationally. But what has changed that is something that actually happened on this podcast, recording an episode of this podcast, uh, which, which, uh, uh, when somebody introduced me to the concept of the individual on the elephant. <laughs> The, the rational mind, the thing, you know, one of the yous that Rain talked about 
is that individual on the elephant. And the whole you is the individual on the elephant. Yelling at the guy standing on top of the reins, it's not going to move the elephant. Yeah. Those aren't really reins. Uh, so Lakoff says that it's something like 98% of cognition is not conscious. And the way that you know this has to be true is that the brain is set up for massive parallel processing, but conscious thought is linear and sequential. Mm. One of my yeah. favorite experiments there is uh, they did an fMRI study that can determine people will make decisions hundreds of milliseconds before they know they're making the decision. Uh, there's also a great and, and a totally different, uh, a totally different scientific way to, to do this. They did a, uh, they did an experiment with two images. There might have been people in the images, I forget. Uh, but you ask the subject, which image do you prefer? And the subject picks one. And then there's a bit of sleight of hand to switch the images. And then you show them the image that they ostensibly picked, which isn't the one they picked, and ask them why they picked that one. And get great <laughs> logical answers. Well, of why, why they picked the one that they're not showing them. The one that they didn't pick. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Sure. I, uh, I heard on a podcast that this concept of uh, stimulus follow and then emotion, you know, like lion jumps out in front of me and I feel scared is kind of backwards, which sort of blew my mind that it's like, yeah, I, I'm like still trying to wrap my head around that, that we sort of like look inward towards our body and we see, Oh, my heart is beating fast. What feelings do I want to make up about that? to in a nutshell? Like we sort yeah. of like see our body doing something and then the, the emotion comes after that. Yeah. There is no cognition without emotion and there is no emotion without a body. This is, this is really I don't, like, if we think about planning, if we think about like, I'm going to make a decision, I'm a future oriented person, but everybody thinks in the future because like we're human. <laughs> and so I'm going to make a decision and which, is, which way am I going to go? Am I going to go right or left? And really what happens is I imagine those scenarios, I have an emotional reaction, which are sensations in my body that I then observe. And that's how rationality, that's how cognition, that's how decision-making happens. And this is what I love about what do you do with the mad that you feel? Because in a single sentence of single-syllable words, there are all four letters or less. What he's getting across to children is that emotions arise in our minds, in our conscious minds, unbidden. We don't control that. What our rational or conscious minds allow us to do is decide what to do with them. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you ask what, what differentiates humans from other animals, you can say language, you can say, you know, extensive tool use, you can say civilization. But this is, I think, one of the things is the ability for there to be a higher level cognitive function that happens after emotional and affective responses. And that it's capable of mediating between those responses and action. That's the thing that makes us special. My reflection is the kind of, I don't know, enlightenment, the light, light bulb that, uh, that Damien helped flash on in my head, which is give me a very specific name to how I'm feeling right now, right? Which is lost. And it really is, uh, it really is appropriate because there's, like there's a sadness in that there's a fear in that there's an anger in that you know uh there's uh despair right i i keep 
the picture I keep getting in my head, right, is being a kid in the supermarket when you get separated from your parents and that like panic moment where you realize that you're alone and lost and are like helpless and, and, and scared and you don't like and, and, and you don't know what to do. Right. That's a very, very good way to explain how how I have been feeling recently. And it's always helpful to put a name to things. I mean, I don't know how to fix it, but it, <laughs> it's a it, it's at least a better starting point than than before. So thank you, Damien. I very much appreciate that. Oh, you're very welcome. It is an honor to be able to do that uh, for you. Um, and I'll, I'll piggyback on that. My my big reflection uh, <laughs> comes from <laughs> since since we're in a mutual admiration club now. Uh, comes from witnessing you, Mondo. The 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 big realization I had was the value of interrogating my feelings it would be a good i'm not going to commit to this <laughs> but it would be a good practice for me <laughs> to actually do that on like to just set a schedule and do that on a daily basis what what was i feeling <laughs> what am i feeling you know seeing seeing you witnessing you do it and then doing it with you because like that's how humans work <laughs> um, has been very valuable to me so so thank you for that Thanks for having me. It's been a, a a dream to kind of come on this podcast and uh, and be able to talk talk with y'all, uh, and especially be able to talk like the way we did, right? Like, yeah, you know, actually, actually, kind of talk about how we're feeling and how we're coping and and what we're gonna do about it, what and if we can do, and it doesn't really matter what we end up doing individually, right? Because knowing that that we're kind of all here together for for each other right like that's one of the few things that gives me hope for the future right is that i'm not as alone as i feel right so thank thank you all for that it's a it's it's been a blessing i'm going to paraphrase russell acuff here by saying that the community is not the sum of its members but the product of their relationships Oof. yeah who was that right Russell Acuff, uh, the original context was a system is not the sum of its components, but the product of its interactions. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like yours a little better. but. <laughs> okay. Good work, everyone. This was great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. 